Hey, welcome to the Cost of Goods Told podcast. I am Darren Lafferty, co-producer, joined by the producer of this show, Chef Connor. And we have some special guests today, as always. Um, a local, uh, I want to call a multi-unit restaurant called Locatelli's. And we're joined by the owners of, of Locatelli's, which is Katie and Adam Womack. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having us. Absolutely. It's our yeah, pleasure. We, we um, you know, Mondays we like to think are slow, and we normally we do one on Mondays. Today's Tuesday. So thanks for making the special arrangements to get out of the restaurant and, and leave behind the crew. I'm sure the restaurant's in good hands. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Um, let's start by talking a little bit about um, not necessarily the restaurant right now, but who you are, because I don't think you, you, neither one of you are native Houstonians. So let's talk about who you are and, and ultimately how you got to Houston. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Well, I'm originally from Chicago, um, but moved out of the Chicago area when I was 10 to the East Coast. My wife is from upstate New York. Um, we both met in St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. Were, um, both living there. Uh, Katie has been in the restaurant business for uh, ever since she was 16 years old. Oh, actually, bless your heart. That's actually <laughs> how I met her. Um, she was uh, my server in one of the restaurants in St. Augustine, Florida. Wow. Um, and it was uh, love at first sight, according to, to Katie. <laughs> <laughs> she, she couldn't take her eyes off me. Wait, now, how many years you guys been married? Uh, 18. 18. Now, do you still feel that way, Katie? Was it still love at first sight, and do you still love him very much? Yes, sir. Even in the restaurant business. See, that's that's hey, that's true love. It's meant to be then, for yeah, sure. It makes it tough in the restaurant <laughs> I bet it does. I bet it does. If we can survive opening a restaurant together, <laughs> working together for nine straight years. I would agree. Yeah, we can pretty much do anything. It should it should be like a prerequisite when you get when you get engaged, you have to run a restaurant like you know even if it, you know just just for like a week just to see if you still love each other at the end of that. The divorce rate would go from fifty percent of all marriages to seventy five. No, no, because if it's if it's before the marriage. Oh, before you know, I'm you, sorry. You yeah, really get to test the water. Yeah, yeah, you're you know? right. You're so, right. That's a good yeah, point. Good point. We could help that. We could help that statistic a little <laughs> bit. So, <laughs> so love at first sight, and yeah. all, and, and, and we. Um, we decided to move back to to Texas because I used to live in Dallas. Okay, all right. Um, and I was in industrial uh, sales. I sold forklifts and racking, all right. and warehouse equipment. Sure. Um, so I thought that would be was a, a, a better opportunity than what is in St. Augustine, Florida, because um, unless you're a bartender or a server, there's really not a lot of opportunity there. So we moved to Houston, and I got back into the sales um, uh, position that I, I had before. Same business, non-restaurant? Yep, same business. Okay. Yep, selling forklifts. Okay. And uh, after about three years, we decided that we just wanted to go into business for ourselves. We just were tired of the whole nine to five um, <laughs> routine and, and having your, your destiny uh, or, your, or your future in somebody else's hands. We mm. wanted it. Totally agree, yeah. In our hands. So with her background in the restaurant business, the restaurant kind of seemed like it, it made the most sense. And plus, my one of my biggest hobbies is cooking. I've always liked to okay. cook. So, so that it just seemed to, to, to be a good fit. And uh, luckily, at the time that we were deciding this, uh, within a quarter mile of our house, they cleared land at a, uh, on a corner of Grant Road and Luetta, which is a we thought it was a pretty good uh, location and they, they put up a strip plaza mm -hmm. and uh, we were the very first tenant 
into the into the building. So <laughs> was that the very first Locatelli's? That's the very first Locatelli's. Okay. All right. Opened October 1st of 2003. So between, hey, we want to do something different to opening restaurant, how much time did y'all have in between and what were some of the things that y'all were discussing, you know, during that time as well? That's a good question. I think it's probably it was probably within six months from when we decided to um, uh, to lease. We were in the middle of the build out. Holy cow! Of, okay. Of yeah. The contractor. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably good that it happened that way because hmm. if we had any more time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you might have done something different if you had more time to think That's about right. it. I like that. But once you start writing checks, you're all in, right? Oh. You're you're cutting checks and you're building interiors and infrastructure, and you're like, hey, we're in this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it was, uh, it, it, was, it was a pretty scary um, thing to quit a perfectly good job that we had, <laughs> you know, benefits and yeah. medical insurance. And vacation. Vacation. Yeah. Um, and being a, uh, a, a territory salesman, you know, my, my weekend started around Friday, around noon. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. Not 11 or, yeah, noon, right? Not yeah. after the restaurant. No, <laughs> as you say. No. That's right. So went from... Uh, not that sales job is a, is a cush job, but it's definitely a lot different than being on your feet for 15 to 16 hours a day. Sure. Um, and I had, I, I did not anticipate the physical nature of the restaurant business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of you course. didn't warn him at all. I mean, you had <laughs> been working in restaurants for a while, you know. So. Warned him. It's all day and all night. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get off. Well, he you probably had a good partner. He probably thought, well, if she can do it, I can do it, and we can hold each other up and during the process. That's right, and that's what we did. Because <laughs> yeah. we'd wake up early in the morning, go right to the restaurant, and start making the dough. And uh, then we'd open the restaurant. We only had a few staff members to start. It was a small, it's only 1,600 square feet. Okay. And there we were all day until closing at night. So how do you, how'd you come up with the name Locatelli? So like who, who picked the name? Is there some sort of sentimental value? Is it a family name? Is there some other business? I wish we had a better story. <laughs> when it came to the name, actually we heard it for the first time on the Food Channel. Uh, and it was in reference to, I forgot the, the show we were watching, but uh, they were talking about a cheesemaker uh, over in, in Italy. And uh, so that name kind of, for some reason stuck with us yeah um and we had come up with a, a few different names and we bounced them off people and um they weren't they weren't we didn't get a, a lot of good response so we just out of the blue said well what about locatelli's because our last name womack doesn't fit an italian <laughs> restaurant all that well right um and then we had one of our very first customers um told us that Locatelli's, what that translates to in Italy, it means little places. Right. Oh, cool. And we've, we've, tried, to, we've tried to confirm that that's true. We, we've yet to be <laughs> able to do that. <laughs> well, if no one's crying about it on your webpage, on the About Us section, yeah, right, right. right. Then, then it's probably pretty close, right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe some loose interpretation, but, but, but let me ask you this. Why Italian? Um, yeah, Italian lineage. Do you just love Italian food, or did you think it would be the most profitable food to go into? Or, well, first um, we had recipes from my grandmother that, even though we're not Italian, um, 
she had this this dough recipe. It all started with the dough recipe. Okay. Um, that just happened to make really good thin crust pizza. Okay. Um, so that was really the, the driver of it. Uh, my brother at the same time was in Dallas and he did a pizza place with his wife. Okay. Um, that was separate from from us, but um, because he got into it, I guess that kind of you know yeah got us following in the, in the same in the same direction um, but it was really that dough recipe from my grandmother that that, that started the, the Italian so you have quite a menu oh, not to jump forward but you have quite a menu outside of just pizzas so did it just start as pizzas primarily it started nothing but pizza okay and we had two sandwiches and one salad okay <laughs> and we got our first menus print they're the most hideous god-awful orange <laughs> I don't know how high we would have picked orange but we got them printed at the Kinko's back when Kinko's yeah. uh, or FedEx store, UPS store, whatever it was, um, but not laminated, just just paper, paper. folded. <laughs> and um, customers over the few customers that we had in, in the beginning, um, whenever they would make a suggestion, we would take that suggestion to heart, and that's how we built our menu. Okay. People, um, you know, the customers started asking for pasta, so so started um, adding adding that so if you don't mind me asking how long was the build out you know like i mean from having to get the plans and things like that i mean you, you decide okay we're going to do italian you get the space you're trying to build it out um about how long did it take to kind of get the space set up for y'all it was about four months okay yeah four months build out. do you mind me asking if this was self-funded or did you go and find financing or actually got a loan from my dad okay okay and uh, which we were able to to, ba to pay back um, within about four years, I believe. Um, yeah, it was, it was a loan from my dad. Wonderful. That's great because you missed some of those hurdles along the way, right? Dealing with banks, dealing with lenders, um, someone coming to collect checks, so, you know, yeah, looking for their money every month. Regardless of what the arrangement is, it's still under, it's in your family. Absolutely. Right, okay. Absolutely. And it, it, it really helped out. Um, not that we, uh, not that it, because they're family that, you know, we would miss a payment, let's yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. there's but some forgiveness, not, right? There, yeah. But there was a little bit of forgiveness. You're not welching, <laughs> but, you know. It's, yeah. uh, who is it all, is it all say that says accident forgiveness? So <laughs> it, it, you had a little accident forgiveness built in. That's right. Until, oh, yeah. That's right. I got you. Yeah, because, you know, being undercapitalized is, is and we knew this going in, being undercapitalized is, is the, um, main reason why restaurants go out of business absolutely um so we were very conscious about that very uh, thankful to my dad for, for sure for doing that sure sure and how big was the crew day one crew day one was four people okay so the two of you and the then two of us we had one kitchen person and one um um server one server <laughs> and trust me that we were probably overstaffed for the amount of customers <laughs> we had. so that was my next question how was day one? I mean, were you petrified when you turned that online on or flipped the sign around to open? Um, were Being you petrified? To be honest, probably lasted six months for me. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, every day, every day. Um, but yeah, I was terrified. Uh, we, I think we both were. And to answer your question, how day one was, it was very uneventful from a from a customer standpoint. Right. Um, I remember the first month. Our first month in business, which was a full month because we opened October 1st, we did $22,000 in, in sales. First month? First month. Okay. Um, 
which is not a lot. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it, well, to put in, in perspective, within um, about six years, business increased by fivefold. Okay. So. Yeah, but so if we do simple math, let's just call it, we'll just do for round numbers, right? So you're doing it roughly 800 bucks a day. I don't know what your expenses were, but you had two other people to pay for, including your mortgage, including a loan that you had to pay back. So 22,000 doesn't sound like a little bit of money, but it depends on what your expenses are and your overhead and everything else, right? Right, right. Back then, did you have a way to advertise pre-opening that didn't cost you an arm and a leg? Was there digital marketing back then or was it still just newspaper, local flyers? You know what I mean? How difficult was it to get Hey, Locatelli is opening up in 30 days. Buy one, get one. You know that kind of thing. How hard was that? It, it, was, it was extremely hard. Um, in fact, the only I, the only advertising I can remember doing was on the back of the, uh, the Kroger. Um, oh, wow! Uh-huh. Wow! Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this is before you know Facebook. Yeah. Before all the social media, um, and we were so you know we. We really probably didn't know what we were doing when we opened up. <laughs> uh, we didn't have the the, the, the correct equipment. Um, I mean, for the first, I don't know how long, we would just take turns slicing mushrooms because there, you know, we were waiting for customers to come in, so we would slice right. mushrooms instead of having a piece of equipment that would do it. Sure. Um, no, but that's uh, doing things manually because you're not sure of what business is going to be. Is the, is the exact approach you should take rather than buying all this unnecessary equipment because you're thinking, and surely you're optimistic. If you open up a business, you're optimistic. We can do this. We're going to make great product. The place is going to be packed on Friday nights, you know, that kind of thing. But, and you should be. Uh, you have to be almost. Wouldn't you agree? You yes. have to be optimistic. Yes. But but that sounds like the right thing. Optimistic right? or naive, you know? Like, I mean, sometimes got, they go hand in hand. A good balance of both. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, because we've talked about this with other operators. I mean, even Will with Corkshire, I think him and his wife had moments where they talked about it that you know, she broke down and cried in the trailer, you know? And I mean, no operator of a restaurant walks into it and it's super easy. I mean, very rarely does that ever happen. I mean, where the stars aligned and, and, and so forth. And um, so I, I, I appreciate you sharing that part and saying, hey, look, you know, it took six months for me not to be scared because we've said it before freaking restaurant industry or the food truck industry isn't the movie chef you know or you know a, a disney story you know this stuff doesn't happen overnight you don't open the doors yeah. and, it, and it just magically happens you know so um so what were your operating hours like f- from the get-go or like you know within those first six months 11 a.m we opened at 11 a.m for lunch and we closed at nine during the okay. week on the weekends we stayed open until 10. So y'all didn't take like a Sunday or Monday off Monday. or Monday. Yeah, okay, one. Okay. So oh, okay. all the staff could have a day off and us as well. Right. Well, <laughs> that's your day off, right? Yeah, but yeah, you're doing inventory, you're placing orders, <laughs> right. you're you're getting ready, right? So did it make that did it make that uh, regional sales position that much <laughs> more appealing? Because you know, you were working four and a half days a week, right? And so all of a sudden you're thrown into seventeen hours a day, really no days off. Right now, you have the desire to do it, but did you have the heart to do it? I mean, did you ever think back, man? I I don't know. No, to be honest, I I never look back. Good for you. There is, I remember reminding myself of this early on that there's there's a, a dollar value that you have to assign 
to being your own boss right. and and working for yourself. It, 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 yeah, the hours are are rough and and there's a lot of um, uh, responsibility, but hmm. you you know you're 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 your own. You're own I don't know how. To, you're the end all be all. Yes. That's the yeah. buck stops with you guys. Yes. Right. Yes. And there's there's a value in that. Yeah. A, a, a great value, in my opinion. So where you knew you may get an email from your boss in your old position, you knew that you could send yourself an email, but you could do it when you wanted to. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> there's a peace of mind in that, right? There's a piece like it's a dollar amount, it's a peace of mind, it's you sleep better at night and it's and when it's go time you say, Hey, we need to get this done. We have to, yeah. right? There's no Instead of, well, I'll do it on Monday. No, we got to do it now. Yeah. Right. So, well, that's good. You had no regrets. Never look back. Nope. Never, never look back. And um, I'm glad, very glad we did it. Very glad we did it. So let me ask you why. So why the Cypress area? Why that, that one spot on that one corner? Did you stumble upon it? Did you say, hey, the demographics look good. The household, you know, income looks good out here. I mean, how'd you pick that spot? Well, we live right around the corner. Okay. We were we live two stops. <laughs> so you could walk to work if you had to. Because we knew we were going to be living at that restaurant uh, for the next few years. That's good. Least. That's good thought process. Yeah. And it but, was close. But yeah. living there, we, we knew what the demographics were because it was, um, there was just, uh, there's a lot of, of rooftops. Yeah. Know, a lot of residential and we were, the, the, Longwood especially is one big, big subdivision and you really have to drive by Locatelli's in order to, to get out of Long. Okay. 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 Good. So, so it's a neighborhood it. joint. Yes. It's yeah. Good. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Neighborhood. Neighborhood joint. So you put the. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's right. I was just going to say, word of mouth is what what took us to another level the, in the community and the word of mouth well, about Locatelli's. Yeah. yeah. And that you were asking about advertising. Yeah. The best advertisement that we that we got was the hurricane. Hurricane um, Ike. Really? Rita. Hurricane Rita. Rita. I'm Rita. sorry. Rita. <laughs> Hurricane Rita in 2005. Um, that that set that set our business on a complete different trajectory. Hmm. Because it, you know the the whole area lost power. Uh, a lot of people a lot evacuated. Of, a lot of people evacuated, but a lot of people didn't evacuate, but they lost power. Yeah. So the, the day after the storm. I mean, for miles and miles, all we heard was all these power outages, but our little intersection there was like a glowing beacon because we're the only ones that had power. <laughs> With power, right? Yeah, so uh, we stayed open and, um, and we just got we got mobbed and sold out of everything that we had, had in, within three hours each of those three days. And um, business was never the same. That's that. awesome. People That's... still thank us for being open when they couldn't, you know. <laughs> That no, no other businesses in our area were were open. Not even Kroger. Um, really. People came in for milk for their babies, hmm. ice to keep their their baby's milk cold. Yeah. And we were open. We could give them cooler. Whatever you ice, had, whatever you had, give right? Them milk, anything we had, we'd give them because so many people were without food, water, refrigeration, um, and it was days. People didn't have, you know, couldn't shower. They were waiting. The phone started ringing in the morning. We were running up from making hmm. the dough. Answer the phone. When are you going to open? We're trying to get a crew. We'll let you know we're shooting for 3 o'clock. Right. At 3 o'clock, there was a line around the building oh, when we opened. That's better than diamond. We had two, two servers. 
I had nobody in the kitchen. Our whole kitchen had evacuated. And the two servers, when we opened up the door and the crowd came in, it was filled. The restaurant was filled within minutes. And one of the servers ran to the back trembling. I was like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> it's up front. Right. It's okay, everybody will be understanding. I mean, they were yeah. just so grateful to have AC. I'm and sure. Water or something cold to drink, cold beer, pizza, hot food. And uh, yeah, we stayed full until we were out of product. And then we'd start again the next morning. And the calls would come in, well, we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing time to be a leader in the community, right? So you're fortunate to have electricity. But what made you a leader was the fact that you had electricity and then boom we want to be a part of this community we want to give back to those who are in need really you're in the service industry yeah. right i mean you just happen to have food along with the service but the fact that you guys were able to deliver that in a time of need um, is better than any infomercial commercial you know diners drive-ins and dives those kind of things that now propel businesses sure. you had it through a natural disaster so, so and we've just recently lived through something like that. So yeah. we've seen other businesses kind of do the same thing where, you know, they've driven through the water to, to, to open up their establishments because it is it is the time that the community needs to come together and so forth. And so not that that endears you and, you know, to that community, but it does, you know, like not, you know, it's yeah. not like you're taking advantage of the situation. You're doing what you want to do, you know, like, you know, you're trying to take care of people, you know. And so it's it's great to see that from from something negative something really really positive kind of comes forward from that and there's no doubt that that was not in your business plan <laughs> when you create when you decide hey we're gonna open up a pizza joint and we'll wait for the storm to roll what's, through and then what, our business what's our elevation you know like you know i'm just waiting for the 500 year storm to come through you know so that we want to talk about those successes let's take a quick break to give a shout out to our sponsor duke's premium meats and uh, also our sponsor uh, beavers here at on westheimer and we'll be right back so stick around Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www. DukesPremiumMeats.com. Welcome back to the Cost of Goods Told podcast, uh, part two. Uh, we are here with the du dynamic duo behind Locatelli's. Um, we kind of recapped, you know, the the opening of part one or of uh, location number one. Uh, for listeners who don't know, there's a lot more to get to, um, obviously, because you all have expanded from there, from those six months of terror um, to mm -hmm. to a lot of growth. Um, if you don't mind talking about like at what point at your first location did you start thinking, hey, I want to do this again, you know? Well, it was nine years into it. Um, for nine years, Katie and I were, we, we didn't even employ a manager. We were the managers, you know, we had a staff, our staff grew, but we didn't hire a, manage, a manager until nine years into it. And once we did that, um, I take that back. Actually, we didn't hire a manager. We promoted a server that we had on staff huh. to a manager. And and once we got past the whole um, the trust issue that we could trust somebody to run it and we can actually leave and go home and take a break maybe during the day, 
Um, once we got to that point, then it, you know, we gave her more responsibility, more responsibility, which freed us up. Right. Once we got freed up, um, we started thinking about a second one. And um, instead of we could have just freed our, our time up. And I was going to say, do you just bitch. hate free time? Like, dude, just, I guess there was no Netflix back then, you know, so it's like. Do you have children <laughs> besides the restaurants? We have uh, an adult um, uh, daughter. Okay. All right. Florida. Okay. That frees up your time a little bit. Yeah. But still, there's other things to do. <laughs> yeah, we could have, we should have probably thought about that a little bit more. <laughs> so nine years in, you nine said, you know what? Why don't we promote someone? Gives us some freedom. You st probably struggled with, and maybe had some struggles with handing over the reins on certain things. I would imagine that's a learning curve all by itself. Wouldn't you think? Oh, a absolutely. I mean, it, 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 we were terrified. Uh, to, it's very to, hard to let go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it really is because it, it's it becomes so personal to you, especially when you do it the way that we did it, where we were submerged in it for you know, all those years, um, it, it just becomes so personal, um, to you that it's, it's, I, I guess it'd be kind of like, you know, leaving your newborn infant with a babysitter for the first time. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was, it was really hard. And I remember the first few times that we actually did mm -hmm. leave the restaurant and left, <laughs> left her in charge. All we did was really spy. You know, <laughs> sat, sat in our truck in the parking lot, and just, you know, looking at the camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. making sure it was all right. <laughs> we <Yeah>. left, <laughs> and, and we did install security cameras, um, which we have in all of our locations, so we can watch them from the from sure. phone, which certainly helped out. Helped out um, our uh, being able to to let go, relax a little <laughs> bit, yeah. Actually, go on a vacation or take a trip somewhere. So I'm going to go. Well, I was just going to say, did y'all take any time off during that, that kind of nine-year stint, you know? We did a couple years at Christmas time that we closed, closed. for the entire week that we were gone. Okay. <laughs> we just, yeah, anytime we went away, we closed. We weren't, we were not open. And you kind of, you probably felt like at the time, that's the only option you had, right? You know, you're going to let someone else run, take care of the baby. All right, let's just close down, give the employees some time off, give ourselves some time off. Is that, that was the approach? Absolutely, because yeah. um, Katie and I, um, we would show up every morning at 8 a.m. to make the, the pizza dough, and like I was saying, it's my grandmother's uh, secret recipe. It's right. it's a it, it, it's not your average. Um, in fact, if you looked at it on paper, you probably would say that that's not pizza dough. <laughs> but it's so, what you do with the ingredients, right? Right. It's a, whole, it. it's a whole process and everything, and we were the only ones that knew the recipe, so we you know we were not at that time we were not ready to share the recipe with right. anybody mm -hmm. so that just means meant that we just had to close i got um, you okay you just felt that's the only choice you had that's some it. things need to be secret and we're willing to take a week off to keep it that way that's right okay that's right. and i'm assuming in that first nine years you, you know that's your baby you're learning the business because you didn't have a restaurant background but katie you did but you're both learning it together because you now own your own restaurant did it take a while to become, uh, to get in the black, to become profitable? And was that difficult? Oh, it was, it was very difficult. Because you're used to getting a regular paycheck, so you know how the bills are going to get paid. Right. But then when you own your own business and you've got all this overhead expense, equipment, build out, things of that nature, 
but you're still probably wondering, okay, when are we going to turn the corner? Yeah, um, and that's – it was – we helped the situation a, a little uh, – a great deal by um, – because we didn't have a big staff. Mm -hmm. And I remember customers kept on asking us for years, how come you do all that? How come you do all that? And that's – we felt like we had to do right. as much labor as we possibly could to minimize our, our expenses. Sure. Um, so that we could survive because you're a fixed cost and you're a fixed cost right you know what your labor is going to cost right. if you hire someone that's additional money that has to go out to somebody else i get it so when you're starting a business and some people don't realize when you start a business uh -huh. right all of the expenses up front and then when you only make twenty two thousand dollars in a month a lot of times you don't cover all those expenses so you have to have a backup plan for that for that so well, your paycheck is the first one to you know go by the wayside you know everybody else has to get paid so you sure. can keep the staff on the lights on and everything like that you, you're the one that takes yeah. the financial hit right yeah. away so it's tough opening your own businesses <laughs> is very difficult and some people take it for granted they don't know that because they haven't owned their own but as a customer they think they know you know they think they know everything when really they don't know what they don't know right so right. No, I can honestly say we would not have made it financially. We, we would not have stayed in business unless we were doing the majority of the work. If we would have had to, if we had any kind of restriction, uh, physical restriction that we had, and we had to rely on hiring a staff, sure. I, I really don't think we would have made it because, man, those the first three years, well, the first two and a half, three years, were, were, were they were tough. I they bet. Were tough. So then successfully, you got through it. You survived. Right? You're still here. You probably have a few more white hairs in your beard than you did when you started <laughs> back in 2003. I can relate to that as well. So 2009, you opened your first one. How'd that go for you? I mean, your second one. The sorry. Second one? Yeah. Actually, it, it started off uh, pretty well, a lot better than what the original location uh, did because we had a lot of um, customers from the Tomball area, and Tomball's where the second location okay. went. Okay. It's about 15 minutes away from our original location. Okay. Um, but by nine years into it, at, th at that point, we had a pretty decent customer base, a lot of them coming from the Tomball area. So when we did open there, we kind of had a, 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 a customer base in that area. Right. A little bit of a foundation and so forth. Yeah. Right, right. What was probably the biggest learning curve from okay, hey, we've we've brought somebody in to, to kind of manage this establishment to okay, now we've got location number two because we've discussed this with a few guys too, where it's like some people think that oh, it's just like times two. It's like no, it's almost like having kids. It's like oh, well, your work just you know is is double mm -hmm. because no, it's like three times, four times as much because it's a completely different monster. What's the biggest learning curve that you had from location number one to now operating two locations? Probably getting the, again, because we were the only ones making the dough, so we couldn't um, we couldn't do that in, in both places. Right. Um, getting things from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. um, and that still, today, is probably one of our biggest learning curves now, because we have a, a commissary. I don't want to get ahead of, ahead of everything, but it was, it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the biggest learning curve was how we could we could keep the, the what made us successful uh -huh. with the product that mm -hmm. we were providing, but now doing it in a in another location, and there's only 
two of us. <laughs> so were you making the dough at location one and transporting it to location two? Actually, we built the, the, ta- the second location. We built a bigger kitchen than what we really needed. Yeah. So we did it in the second location okay. and brought it back gotcha. to the first I gotcha. location. Okay. So not only did you have the added responsibility of a second location, <laughs> you now have literally disrupted the process at location one by not making dough there. So whether you guys can handle it or not, your employees now are saying, wait a second, we've always made dough here, you, you guys did. So it's at our fingertips all the time. Now we're gonna get it from somewhere else. So what happens if we run out? What happens if it doesn't prove correctly? What happened if I dock it and I tear it and I ruin it and I gotta start over, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. there had to have been additional challenges which are not only physical challenges, but mentally. Does that make sense? Yes, no, that's absolutely right. Um, in fact, we had to, um, based on what you're saying, you know, it, because there were plenty of times that we did did run out um, of, of pizza dough. Um, <laughs> 15 minute run down to the other store and come back and- Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but we had to change our whole um, our whole uh, process of making the dough yeah. because we couldn't. We learned that we could not take the chance of putting raw dough, a raw pizza dough, into an oven because, for whatever reason, you know, every for every five pizzas we were one was sticking to the to the oven and it would, you know, we pull it out and it have a hole in it. Right. Um, so we learned real quick that we can't take that chance because of, you know, we, we were doing the best we could just to keep up with, sure. with demand. So um, we all put our heads together and we started par baking mm-hmm. all the pizza doughs. So that, you know, it would kill the yeast, it would, it would set the pizza dough, yep. and it would become a little bit more durable. And uh, it, it eliminated the... Um, the risk of, of losing as many pizzas right. as we it's were. It's much easier to transport it like that than the raw dough. Sure. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have the same kind of oven in both locations or did you upgrade ovens in the second location and it had, has its own quirks, you know, and uniqueness to it as opposed to the first one where you had nine years of experience? How to dial it, where the hot spot is, where the cold spot, mm-hmm. or, or was it, did you get the exact same oven or did you get something different? No, actually the oven is a, is a pretty uh, interesting story. We started off with an oven that they actually make it in San Antonio. Okay. It's called a Rotoflex. Yeah. And it has four decks, three of which are stone. The top level was, was metal, but it spun. It spun in a circle. <laughs> and whoever thought it would be a good idea <laughs> to have four levels where everything spinning. is spinning. <laughs> And it goes into the oven <laughs> at different, you know, everything is at a different cooking stage. That's right. So for the first seven years, and this is no exaggeration, I was the only one that could operate that oven. And from the time that we opened at 11 a.m., I stood at that oven from 11 a.m. until we closed. Is I was the only one that, I mean, it, the, the thing was dangerous. I mean, <laughs> it really was. No wonder you didn't hire anyone. You were afraid they are going to get hurt. <laughs> Oh, it was untrainable. We tried to train the first guy, and when he opened up the, the the window, it was kind of on a pulley, and he would open it, and that's where Adam would be checking the pizzas in the, the other side of the kitchen. They right. would put it in at the different door. The heat is so extreme coming into your face that the kid we were going to train, he goes, oh, my God, my eyelashes. I can't do that, my eyes. And that was it. The heat from the oven. Really? Yeah. And Adam was there all day, 
every day doing uh, it. Does Adam have eyelashes? I know. I was checking too, right? I was like, maybe he burned them off. <laughs> with four levels and moving, and you have to babysit the bottom of every pizza. Yeah. And then have other items on the top spinning, and he's got to flip them. It was impossible for, and I mean, it was a lot of work I to bet. train anybody. That was a huge decision because we were under the impression that you know, a good pizza cannot come out of a conveyor oven. It has to go on in a deck oven. Right. <laughs> well, it really took a big jump of faith or a leap of faith for us to, to even demo. a. We, we made our dough and we took it um, to uh, University of Houston to uh, the salesman lined us up a demo so we could try their conveyor oven to see how it would, it would come out. Oh, they had one there. They had okay, one okay, there. okay. Yeah, so, so we put our product through the oven, and it was remarkably close to what was coming out of the, the Rotoflex. Okay. So we decided to, to yank the, the Rotoflex out, and <laughs> we bought conveyor ovens seven years into it. And had we not done that, we would have never been able to expand. Never would have expanded. We'd still be in that. Well, actually, I'd still I, be at the oven. <laughs> I'd still, <laughs> still be there. I'd be back selling lift trucks. <laughs> and so those are the things you learn, right? As as whether you either stay where you are, because you know that you, you, someone's got to man this at all times, um, or, or we're going to expand, right? So, so I mean, this is this is exactly why we have these conversations, mm -hmm. because the unforeseen back of the house situations, 99% uh, of the public will never see that, nor do 98% nor do of them care, right? right? They just right. want great food that comes out consistently every single time. But you guys get to live with that. That's the joy of being an owner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. The, the joy yeah. and the pain of, right. of having to grow. Uh, so, so not only was two locations then where you were gonna stop, you opened up a third location. Because you don't like your weekends and because, <laughs> or was it because you figured out the ovens? You're like, hey, we got this oven thing figured out. Let's add another one to the list. Yeah. Um, no, we opened up the commissary. So we had to have oh, that, more that, that, stores. That, that is right. Okay. We opened the commissary for consistency because now we had two stores, one in Cyprus, one in Tumball. Both stores had a, a steam kettle. They were making the marinara, the okay. sauce. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, for consistency because now you have two different people making them right gotcha. and one day this lady said well at the tumball store she said well this sauce doesn't taste like the sauce at Grant Road I said what <laughs> that was it. we decided we better get a hold of it we'll, if we open the central kitchen or the right. commissary it's the same person making it consistently every sure. day and you sure. don't have two different people and where you have room for yeah human error you know so so go ahead i'm sorry no no so i was gonna say too uh, um i i think it's it's interesting how y'all have have described the journey mm -hmm. one how long it takes to get from one to two you know um and then also like hey look there, there there's some serious hiccups along the way this isn't you know the, the fairy tale you know like we talked about um this is this is hard you know even at at the second location you're still learning the ins and outs and then you know you probably don't even end up being an operator like you said you ended up being one of the line guys you yeah. know because that was what the business needed then all of a sudden now we've got 
you know, two different establishments, you're starting to see those those flexes start happen between the two. And it's like, hey, you definitely can't have that happen. So then the next process is finding a commissary, which people just think, oh, well, then you just set up shop, you make it there and it's super, super easy. It's like, no, <laughs> there's a whole nother level to just that alone. You know, that's like running another restaurant without having the dining room, you know, type of side to it, you know? Yeah, the commissary has some advantages, but it does make it, it is a lot more work and it, it is much more um, uh, makes everything more difficult because mm-hmm. instead of operating a restaurant now we had to get in the mind frame of being a distribution center That's it. <laughs> and it's a lot harder than what we had anticipated well and i think you know you described that uh you described that very generic because it's not only distribution it's receiving it's mm-hmm. a receptacle for all raw ingredients mm-hmm. right canned or whatever yep. then you have to cook it <laughs> to a certain standard and you got to meet all the same criteria from a health health inspection right, right. Uh, perspective and then you have to distribute it out just the same way cool it down <laughs> cool it down right in a certain yeah. amount of time frame blah 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 the food and science degree is coming out yeah I'm a, and, and then you have to distribute it and so it, it's not just well, it, well let's just try and centralize some stuff it'll no. make things easy <laughs> no. it opened up a whole can of worms I'm sure and, and forecasting is one of the hardest things forecasting how much you're going to go through because yeah. it's, remember, it's a perishable product sure. obviously. Yeah. and if you over prep you know that's going to end up being thrown away and that can drastically change your uh change that's change actually you know line. that's right. a really i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up because uh, not just the food science guy but a corporate america guy so did you have the analytics to break down hey last year first quarter Here's, here's our sales month to month, second quarter, third. Did you have the ability back then to track those types? I mean, POS didn't really exist back then. I mean, right? I mean, it wasn't the same POS systems you have now. Uh, yeah. Did you have, was it at your fingertips or was it much easier or harder to get to that kind of information? The What we ended up doing, no, to answer your question, it was not at our, our fingertips. <laughs> we ended up making a spreadsheet where and it, all of the items um, were inventoried, where right. you had a beginning inventory, and then you, you put in your whatever you received through the week yep. and then with your ending inventory. And that's how we um, would, would base our, um, our, uh, our usage, you yeah. know, weekly usage from. Um, but that's also kind of hard when you're in a, um, in a, a, gro- a high growth Yep. environment which we were for a number of those years sure um now with the pos systems now we can we can look to see how many 17 inch pizzas we sold how many yep. 13 inch pizzas yep. we sold um but it's not as easy for um um to equate that to um the sausage because we don't buy frozen you know sausage you make it toppings. all we yeah. bring in raw sausage. Oh, really? They cook it at okay. the commissary, and then they repack it into a container, and it goes out to the store. Um, but those type of things are um, are very difficult to um, to forecast. Sure. Because you know, it, it, maybe we haven't looked at it right, but we've we've struggled with that. We've struggled with that. Does that help help you? And this may be a silly question, but. Does it help you or does it hurt you with your suppliers and your distribution mm. centers where you would love to be able to leverage? Last year I bought, you know, a thousand, a thousand pounds of ground sausage meat, right? This year I'm, I think I'm going to buy 2,000. But if you don't have that information, it's hard to leverage yourself, That's right? right? Um, 
I guess my question I'm getting to is, uh, I'm sure you would like to leverage that. And are your distributors, do they receive that information well? I mean, do they work with you and say, hey, we need to give you better pricing, we want to give you better pricing, or is it still the old, you're the purchasing guy also, and you're beating them over the head with, here's my clipboard, here's my <laughs> items, put your price in and lowest price wins. We have always operated on uh, a loyalty type system with our vendors. Um, we don't, uh, cause I, I used to, back when I lived in Florida, um, I, I worked for Cisco Foods as a marketing associate. And I remember um, having accounts where that's exactly what they did. They would yeah. have each item. They were a spreadsheet item, spreadsheet, yeah. Yep. And whoever had the lowest price, it didn't matter. Yep. That's who they were buying from. We. We decided to go a different route. Um, up until last year, we had the same vendor from 2003. Well, for the first uh, 14 years. Wow! Holy cow! And uh, that's a lucky company. It, it, come to find out, they were very, very fortunate um, <laughs> because we were constantly looking at our um, increasing food cost over the years, and we were doing everything we knew how to do to you know to yeah get that within a, an acceptable range um so that that's the only reason we never uh, would even um, entertain talking to another food vendor to get competitive pricing and there's a lot of reasons for that we were loyal to this company and they were very loyal to us at one point our walk-in cooler uh we had to replace our walk-in cooler mm -hmm. well the crew came in one day to tear down the walk-in cooler which they did now we have so there's no walk-in cooler there they went to put in the new one found out that the salesman ordered the wrong walk-in cooler oh. so now we have no walk-in cooler they couldn't put the old one back in right right so the our vendor um, brought a uh, refrigerated tractor trailer yeah um, outside the reefer our, yeah yeah and that was our walk-in cooler for three no like three weeks holy cow. well you earned that 14 years of the same supplier you earned that yeah Right, so good for you. So last year we did something we've never done, and we entertained um, uh, different, um, just to kick the tires and see what they had to offer. And when they ran the, um, the comparison, we would have saved $180,000 had we been with them. And when we started looking at individual line items compared to what other people were buying, we were ta being taken advantage of so you switched so we switched yeah so we switched and uh, it helped um it helped helped quite a help your bottom bit. line help the net net so that was location so that was a commissary and that was location three so the location three went through that process as well meaning meaning that struggle that change in vendors that oh yes okay oh yes and so what year was location three location three was no uh 2015 November 2015 and that's Magnolia and that's Magnolia. Magnolia location and did you have the same great foundation you had in Tomball because you were so close to Cypress yeah you know, and when you were asking before what made us um go you know want to do th number three and number four yeah the way I remember it is the customers have um cu customers have always suggested us coming into this you know this town right. or, hey i'm i live in the woodlands i used to be customers please come out to the woodlands <laughs> um which is great you know it's great being loved by by your customers and that's really what um i think 
why we wanted to to Tomball and Magnolia. So, yeah, once we were in Tomball, then another 15 minutes away north is Magnolia. And so we were drawing a lot of people from Magnolia to the Tomball store. So a lot of people were were asking us to come to Magnolia. Um, So that's why we while we went there. Okay. Um, and then in uh, 2016, June of 2016, we opened up the Fry Road location in Cyprus. Um, and as Katie was saying, um, that was once we decided we were going to expand and once we had the commissary, adding more stores is, is you know, it's it's really necessary to yeah. to feed the, the monster. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the that's, that's why you that's why you <laughs> almost create the additional uh, responsibility of a commissary is to create efficiencies throughout other locations, right? right. And one or two, that, that business model doesn't really work out all that well. No. I mean, you get some, don't get me wrong, but you're spending a whole lot of labor and a whole lot of time at a third location for two. Right. And so it, it only makes sense that you add four. So that, that makes sense why you'd want to have more children. <laughs> if your restaurant is your children, you know, that's, that makes sense, right? You bought a house, you might as well fill it up. That's right. <laughs> Where are we at? We are, we, I, I think that's a, a good, yeah, I think that's okay. a good uh, stopping point. You know, we've got, we've kind of taken the journey and so forth. Maybe we could talk about what's kind of going on now, you know, what, uh, what different things that y'all have learned, you know, with now, you know, the establishments that you have. Um, so stick around for part three. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Duke's Premium Meats. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com. Welcome to the Cost of Goods Told podcast. Welcome back, anyway. Uh, we are joined by, in your own words, Connor, the dynamic duo of Locatelli's, Adam and Katie Womack. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for Thank having us. Absolutely. So, so if you missed parts one and two, uh, we've gotten all the way up to the fact that you guys have four restaurants, uh, two in Cyprus, one in Magnolia, one in Tomball. Correct. Right? Started in 2003, and uh, you, were, you were both much younger and had more hair and so but anyway thanks for joining us and hanging out we appreciate your time thank god so, he's not still in front of that uh that oven still to this day. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know if he has eyebrows or not but uh, <laughs> we're glad he's here so so let's talk about so uh, you obviously in a short amount of time it's 16 years essentially have opened up four restaurants one every four years um what's what's on the horizon do you do you do you strive to have six restaurants, ten restaurants? Are you happy with four? I mean, tell us where your head is after. I mean, obviously, at year sixteen, right? You're so much more educated and wise to the restaurant industry because you you literally had little to no restaurant you know experience before your wife did. Uh, but in year sixteen, do you say, well, now that we have a commissary, how many more can we handle? What's the thought process around that, or? or or should we just shut up and not? Are you already sweating when we talk about more locations? <laughs> <laughs> no, we. Um, w- w- our goal is is to build a, um, uh, a, a a company that is worth um, something 
to a, a potential buyer. Okay. Okay. Um, so what we have been um, kicking around is to have open up one more location mm -hmm. that is that's owned by us. So giving us five company owned uh, restaurants and the, you know, it's always been um, uh, fun to think about franchising. Okay. Um, because, you know, basically you're using somebody else's money to, yeah. to expand, which, and, and that way with a commissary, what our, our, our goal is, is for us to, um, you know, have the, the, the basic, uh, or the, um, the, what am I trying to say? The, um, foundation of the five restaurants, but use that, um, the commissary to, uh, supply franchisees down the road gotcha. right where our time would be more going into the commissary and making that um, a, a smooth running operation um, and distributing it out to the not only our five stores but any franchise as well yeah um, and it, you know after after doing it for for as long as we have the thought of having franchisees running the store in their day-to-day -day, um, is pretty enticing <laughs> um, because it, it, how else at least in our opinion how else do you get the the, the right people in the right spot and um, you know just like chick-fil-a their their philosophy owners run the, the business better than the employees so not investors but owners people owners. who work in the store that's chick-fil-a's model right yes yeah. yes so we would like to take a, a page out of out of their book. Yeah, um, it's a good company. Yeah. Well, what was the, what was that um, what was that movie about? Like McDonald's, when the guy was like, "I want to franchise this, but I'm going to give it to the mom and pop who are dedicated to it." You know, and that's how they expanded because the mom and pops cared when he mm -hmm. when they when they made it their own. I, I think it was like they either expanded with something and it was somebody else's money, and he had hired employees. It was like all of a sudden the parking lot was dirty, the sandwiches, you know, the burgers weren't coming out right. He said. You know, screw that. You know, no, it. this is mom and dad, you know, who need this job, who care about this, who care about their customers. And I mean, it, and then it just took off from there. And I think it's the exact same philosophy. Yeah. I think on the other side of it, too, y'all laying a foundation as far as saying, like, hey, look, we're taking the, you know, not all of the prep work, but we're taking the majority of stuff out of your hands so that you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to come in and know how to make a marinara sauce, you know, type of thing. Um, it is as a platform that someone can can come in and, and not easily but a lot easier to, to kind of get things streamlined because there's so much more that you have to worry about as a first-time operator that's not just hey does my marinara sauce taste the same as the five other locations because if mine tastes off people are gonna go to the other locations or are gonna you know throw me under the bus um, oh, pretty pretty darn quickly in my mind you know and with franchising too you have you you have as as the owner today you have the opportunity too to vet who takes those yeah. restaurants on right? right and you no longer have the financial responsibility or the onus for that matter <laughs> right of running that store day in and day out right. you can focus on in my opinion you correct me if i'm wrong because i'm i've never owned a franchise business at all but it seems like from the outside um, you'll be able to focus more on your commissary and making those distributions smooth and, and the sauce is exactly the same at all five or 10 or 15 locations instead of you having to come up with another million bucks yeah. to open up another location, right? right? So 
That sounds like a retirement plan to me. Retirement, you know. (laughs) You'll probably open up another restaurant when you retire because you've got it in your blood now. Maybe a beach bar somewhere. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, But yeah, if we could, I mean, if we could find couples like Katie and I, you know, were back then, um, that would be the the perfect situation in in our, our opinion. Yeah. So right now, your operations with, with between the four locations and everything, what is kind of your day-to-day? I mean, are you bouncing between each and every one of you? Are you all dividing and conquering? You know, um, have you all brought on some, you know, overhead staff, you know, or, you know, um, I don't want to say corporate staff, but managers. You know, people, like well, I mean, managers for each location, but somebody that maybe is a district manager or something along those lines, like how, how, how have you all managed all of that? chaos because each one can be its own chaotic their own child yeah exactly (laughs) yeah we um we not long ago advertised for a district manager uh type uh we didn't we didn't hire anybody um we just weren't um weren't really thrilled with um the The candidates the candidates Uh, we'll probably revisit that down the road um but Submit your applications to cost of gets told at <laughs> gmail.com. No, with a cover page. With a yeah, cover page. Exactly. <laughs> but our day is definitely divide and, and conquer. Because um, actually, that's probably the main reason we went from one store to two stores is so that we could work in separate stores. <laughs> so you're saying that's helped your marriage? You know? <laughs> more stories, more separation. <laughs> that does add for a lengthy marriage, you know. <laughs> I haven't seen you in you know two days. I love you. Yeah. I haven't seen you. I know. I that's why I still love you. I haven't uh-huh. seen you. <laughs> I told my wife. I said, since I've been out of the restaurant industry, I'm like, are you falling less and less love with me because I'm 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 in your face a little bit more. Or I'm I'm present more. No, Connor, go please. Yeah, go. I know. Yeah. No, no, no. But I saw that Locatelli's is looking for a district manager, you know, four <laughs> locations. That's got to keep you pretty damn busy, yeah. you know? No. Um, so divide and conquer. Um, each each location obviously has its own management team and so forth. Um, I think I think what people don't, may not realize when you do expand to that many locations, um, one, you could be on call at any point of the time, so it's really hard to make any plans. I mean, you know, chefs know it from just one location type of thing, but imagine now you have hey, this guy didn't show up. We need, you know, somebody to come in. Are y'all still running into those situations? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It happens more than uh, we care to to think about. Um, You know, that is part of the, the, I mean, that just goes along with the, um, with owning your own business. You have to, just accept the fact that um, that, that that things like that are going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what I don't know what um, what the solution is because even back when we've had the best crew when we when we had just the one location and our our kitchen crew was literally uh, family. Katie speaks uh, fluent Spanish. The majority of our um, our kitchen help. Are Hispanic, so she's really. Um, she, I mean, without Katie, I, 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 I hate <laughs> to think about what my life would be like. <laughs> but even when we had the our our best, um, what we would consider our best kitchen crew, things just um, things 
uh, come up um, unexpectedly all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Every day there's a different fire to put out yeah. at a different location. Yeah. Uh, the best thing we can do and what we've learned to do over the years is cross-train all your staff mm -hmm. so they can do more than one position and you can easily move people around. Sure. Because we've talked about kind of the, I would say the realm where y'all are playing at, you know, it's still full service, but the price point isn't super, super high, you know, where it's unaffordable for the family to go out and eat. Um, but it's hard to kind of get, I would think, and, and, and I've talked to other establishments about this, where it's like, it's hard to kind of maintain quality service, quality, you know, servers, or even just maintain a staff on there when you're trying to stay price point, you know, friendly to, to the customers, but still offer that full service side. Now, I know people have gone to counter service. There's been other, you know, ways that people have um, uh, adjusted their, uh, their strategy. Uh, but to, to play in that realm and still offer, you know, wine and beer and things like that, where a server needs to be somewhat knowledgeable. You know, I can't tell you the number of times I've watched a server take a margarita order and I'm like, he didn't ask if they wanted salt. He didn't, I guarantee it. And then the son of a gun, this is the third one today, you know, type of thing. So are for fifth location or for moving forward, have y'all thought about adjusting anything or have y'all thought about you know, hey, you know, this is this is a different route that we want to take or anything along those lines, especially with with what with, with what we're seeing in this industry, you know? Yeah. Um, well, in the, la the last two locations, we um, added a full liquor bar. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a direction we definitely want to continue in. The f first two locations are beer and wine only uh, the Magnolia and the Fry Road location. Um, full liquor bar and we like it and we like the um the margins that yeah i'm sure yeah you know, from, from liquor um so we would like to probably expand more on that mm -hmm. um but when you brought up the counter service i w i would like to say if we could do it over again we probably would have or should have you know done the counter service but we we actually did when we first opened mm -hmm. uh, the Grant Road store, we started off at, at counter service, and that just shows you how quickly things change and how, how the customers' tastes and yeah. preferences change because the reason we went from exchange, went away from counter service to full service was because of customers at, you know, telling us they don't like uh, counter service, yeah. they want table service, so mm -hmm. we changed everything to table service. Um, but now that seems to be um, it, just it, the opposite. It, it really is, and it's it, it's funny. It's almost like you know now we're starting to see what I'm calling or what I think is called ghost kitchens, where it's like they don't even have a dining room or you know they're, they're just a commissary and they're doing three or four different menus and they're doing it all out of the same commissary and they're just delivering it, you mm -hmm. know, type of thing. So the the market has changed and the and the industry has changed so much. Not just I mean we've talked about it from even the kitchen side of things. The culinary institutes and the art institutes and the Le Cordon Blues used to just pound out kid after kid after kid every year, you know, just looking for a job anywhere. And now parents have pulled back on that and said, hey, look, we don't want you to take that route. Hey, look, you can't become the next Food Network star just because you went to Le Cordon Bleu, you know, for two years or, or what have you. So with all of those changes, everybody's got to, to adapt and, um, and, and, and adjust their strategies. Um, and it's interesting that that 
you know, y'all have taken all these different steps. And so now, hey, look, you know, as you look to expand or as you look to franchise, what are the trends going to be? What is what is the next thing kind of kind of moving forward to play in that space? You know, because this, you know, it's not it's not the Chick-fil-A price point and it's not the Perry's price point. Everybody who's playing in that space has to be able to change and adapt because um, I, I, I just it, it's harder when your price point and your and your uh, your menu can't justify having all of this extra stuff where a server can make really really good money and so he's going to take the job or you're going to get those professional you know waiters and waitresses um in your establishment so so yeah sorry that got long-winded no, no, no. <laughs> you hit, hit the nail on the head there so exactly so because right. the market has changed and takeaway is more obvious even at grocery stores right they do yeah. rotisserie chickens they do prepared meals that are uncooked with all of those changes have you guys changed um, are you using more delivery services? Are you doing more takeout? I mean, you know, things like that. Curbside pickup. So you adjusted that as well. Yes, we have. Um, uh, the Fry Road location, um, we have a, a curbside pickup that um, I would venture to guess probably does more business than what the uh, the, um, the third-party delivery services that really? we're using. It just <laughs> lend, it, we're on the end cap, yeah. and it lends itself. It's a perfect curbside pickup where they don't have to get out of their car they pull right up to the door and it's it's um, uh, very nice um, but yes we have uh, partnered with Grubhub and DoorDash mm -hmm. um, plus there's a smaller one in the Tomball and Magnolia area called Foods Here um, you know <clears throat> we are looking at the possibility of um, doing away with that and hiring our own drivers because you know it's great for cash flow to deal with the door dashes and the grub hubs, but you know, parting with 30% of that yeah. ticket price, yeah. you're really not making, I mean, restaurants aren't making money using, right. Right. You know, it, it it's and they're making, flow, they are making and they are. bank on it. They Through are making so much money because they have none of the liability. They have none of the overhead. You know, I mean, basically, yeah. if, if you think about like Uber Uber Eats or whatnot, I mean, they, 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 it's just a cash cow for them because, I mean, it's, it's all on y'all if something goes wrong, pretty much. You know, it's not like they're going to stop using Uber Eats or Grubhub or something like that because Locatelli's got delivered wrong, even though it was the Uber driver's fault, you know, type of thing. And so... You know, I, I saw like Amazon got out of that game and I saw that this was like, hey, look, this would be really cool if it could help the restaurants. And really, it doesn't seem like it's ever kind of manipulated itself into that. It's manipulated itself into, hey, it's making bank for 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 the third party. Yeah. Um, and and I think that if someone can design it and, and, and come up with a way that it works for the restaurants as well, that would be. I think everybody would jump on that. You know, we're doing it now because we have to. You know, the establishments have to. You know, yeah. if you're not on DoorDash or Grubhub, you're just at you're least right, not in, in front of them again, you know? And I've heard arguments from both sides of that from independent restaurant owners. Some say, hey, look, yes, yeah, 30%, but it's easy for me. I don't advertise. I don't do anything That's special. True. The orders just flow in. Even to the point where now they, they're giving them the iPad or whatever the, the equipment right, is that they right. need, right? And then I've heard on the flip side is, hey, look, I don't have 30% to give and they won't allow me to adjust my pricing. I don't know if that's still the, the case or not for DoorDash, Grubhub, you, your pricing has to be exactly what's on the menu, right? You have to match that pricing. So if someone comes in, they can't complain about it. Right, right. And I don't know if that's true anymore, but the point is we've gotten mixed feedback on both sides. So right. I guess it's, you know, what do you sell and what your profit margins are is going to dictate, Hey man, maybe we should be doing this in house. Yeah. You know? I, 
It, it, I mean, that is true that it is kind of easy. The orders come in. You don't have, have to advertise. But it creates problems. I wouldn't call it easy um, because you have some – and this is a reason why I can't believe that it, it's as popular as it is <laughs> because, I mean, we've seen it. Our, our manager in Tomball watched one – I'm not going to name which one it was, but get into their car – open up the bag and start eating french fries oh my goodness you know <laughs> you got i mean we we did um um one of the deliveries the other day from a, um, a mexican restaurant and um you know i know that the restaurant did not forget to include the chips with the queso those chips got eaten on the way you know? <laughs> but you got your queso got the queso well that's yeah. no good i mean i'll <laughs> drink it don't get me wrong but it goes better with with chips with chips yeah <laughs> Um, and, and it's terribly expensive. I mean, um, for the guy or girl who orders that to be delivered home, there's an extra charge on top of what right. they pay for. And mm -hmm. then they tip on top of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'll take the 30 minutes to go pick it up. You know, you call me cheap if you want, but. Well, I, we've, we've utilized it in, in like, you know, what I would say is like crisis time or something like that. And it's like, I, I, I talk to my parents all the time about it. It's like, <laughs> look, I can get at least something solid delivered to my home. That's not just, you know, like the Domino's pizza or the, you know, Chinese food, you know, delivery or whatnot. I can have quality, quality stuff delivered to my house if everything went wrong at home or something or, you know, hey, we need, you know, we just don't have time to go out. Same thing with like the curbside pickup for, for groceries. I don't know how everybody did it before all of that because I got my hands full with a two-year-old and I got people who will deliver hmm. Amazon now, you know, to my right. house like in two hours type of thing. Um, on the on the other side of that, that Grubhub thing is I've seen people take advantage of it and the fact that they've created a specific menu just for it. So like, let's just say a sushi restaurant is doing sushi. Then they'll turn around and they'll be like, hey, Grubhub will reach out and say, hey, there's no pokey place around you. Why don't you make pokey? We'll call it pokey tomball or, or whatever. And it will just be a virtual restaurant online and we'll pick it up. And, you know, all you have to do is just put it in a different bag and things like that, you know, or whatnot. So the, the people are trying to manipulate the system and trying to find, find a way to make it work where it's like, hey, you know, maybe you know, maybe we become a sub shop as part of our, our, you know, restaurant, but it's, you know, Tomball subs or whatever, you know, what have you. And I know I'm going on a long tangent. It's just super interesting to me because this is like, you know, like we talked about the industry's changing so much, everything's flexing, you know, with the technology stuff to it. Um, but I, I, I just, I, I always wonder how people are adjusting to it. And I mean, you've, you've been through the ringer, you know, uh, with it all. So it's, it's always interesting to kind of get, get your insight on it's it. Double-edged you know? sword for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and another concept that we've um, considered is strictly going to um, delivery, mm -hmm. you know, uh, scaling back our menu mm -hmm. and, um, and having our own drivers in a, in a much smaller um, space, um, or even use the commissary delivery zone. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, oh, that's a good that. idea. Yeah, um, because it, it, yeah, it's it's just amazing that um, delivery has has taken off the way it has. I mean, the way that the and I never would have believed it. I mean, a, a restaurant is a restaurant. I thought you know the least information driven or the least IT driven business you know, <laughs> could be a restaurant but right. it has um, it, I mean if, if there's as many changes in the next 10 years as has been in the last 10 years I mean I don't, I, I, I don't know what 
things are going to look like. Yeah, I, if I if I had a crystal ball, I could try and help you, but it's about as fuzzy as yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I would I would venture to wage a pretty heavy pretty heavy dollar amount on the fact that home delivery is not going away because as technology continues to make people lazy or more efficient, you can call it whatever you want. Um, you know, the quick gratification of, hey, I, I don't feel like going out. I'm just going to go ahead and order something online. Or, I'm going I'm to go ahead and send an order over to Locatelli's. Or I'm going to go ahead and, and do a curbside pickup. But I'm going to order it over my phone so that it flows through the system so I don't have to wait in line for anything. Mm-hmm. It's only going to get bigger, faster, stronger, uglier with more problems. So I don't envy you from that <laughs> side of the business. But um, I'm sure that there'll be some adjustments to make it easier. Uh, and I hope so. I hope yeah, for, for your too. sake. You know, you mentioned earlier that in a crisis mode, that's where y'all order. You know, I don't know if there's a bigger crisis regarding food than when someone licks my chips or ice cream or oh or anything God. else. So I don't I mean. Yeah, we can talk hey, about I'll that. I'll go pick up my food. I'll yeah. keep it. And you can get the licked chips. How about that? <laughs> I was going to say, after that, after hearing it from their side, I'm like, oh, man. Leave it know? to me. You ruin it. No. Nah. Can't even get Bluebell now, you know, it's like, let alone really? Grubhub, you know. I saw somebody ordered a pint, or not ordered, but, you know, took a picture of a pint of ice cream and cut, like, the first inch off yeah, the top. I like <laughs> that. Yeah. It was one, a meme, like, you know, with dire, dire straits in Texas yeah. now. Everybody's cutting the top off ice cream, so. Yeah, someone actually had it locked up, you know, in yeah, one of their stores. Right? So I was like, oh, my gosh, man, we've gotten <clears> to that point, you know. Well, I, you know, I, I've enjoyed the journey of going through, you know, uh, how you guys met, um, you know, your background and jumping full in with no waiters on into the <laughs> pond of the restaurant business. And then also your successes along the way. We, you know, we greatly appreciate the fact that, that you're able to tell us those things um, and then what the future looks like. And uh, Connor and I are pulling for both of you and your businesses. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds like it's a phenomenal family atmosphere. I'm glad you guys came over, overcame the challenges of how do we give up you know, some reins and how do we give up control? Because ultimately that spurred into your growth, right? Absolutely. Um, which probably then evolved into, so how do we make this thing, you know, real viable for us? Is it five locations, 10 franchises, but it sounds like you had a great plan together. Uh, a great plan that'll last about nine months and you'll have another plan. And yeah, it's all, it sounds like <laughs> right. it's, it's always changing. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you Thank for having you. us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We well, greatly appreciate it. I know it. we've talked a lot about the operations and so forth. So if you don't mind just telling everybody, you know, y'all's locations and where they can follow y'all. Um, uh, as far as Instagram and social Facebook media. And yeah. Social media. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, on Instagram, it's Locatelli's Restaurant. Okay. Um, we do have a uh, um, Locatelli's Facebook page. And uh, the four locations uh, are two in Cyprus. Uh, one at the corner of Grant Luetta, one on Fry Road at the corner of Fry and Mound Road, uh, one in Tomball is at 249 and 2920, and the Magnolia location is in Old Magnolia on 1488. And for those who haven't experienced it yet, besides the Secret Mama, uh, you know, uh, dough. pizza dough yeah. recipe, um, what else you know can can customers expect if they come in and, and they sit down and dine with y'all? Well, you can expect everything to be made homemade. Um, all of our pizza toppings are, um, well, except for, for pepperoni, obviously, but uh, our meat toppings, we bring in raw meat and uh, we, we cook it, uh, season it, and um, we make uh, our own sandwich rolls. Um, 
We make everything from our salad dressings to croutons. Katie's shaking desserts. her head like, I can't believe we do all yeah, this. We <laughs> make the, the meatballs. Every day they're making the meatballs, the lasagna. Everything's made at the commissary. Salad dressings. Salad dressings and all. Nice. Desserts? Desserts. All we make desserts. our homemade tiramisu, homemade cheesecake. Actually, uh, uh, our cheesecake recipe was given to us by my aunt, who used to have a uh, catering company in lower Manhattan and actually uh, so the story goes this uh, a friend back in the 70s was the executive chef at the uh, Waldorf Astoria oh and this is their recipe <laughs> Holy nice. cow. Yeah. made it all the way to Texas I'm all trying to remember to if that's a, now, if that's a super whipped version or if it's lightly whipped for for the for the cheesecake like do y'all do y'all beat the hell out of it you know no, no right no, yeah no, keep it kind of dense whip. and everything mm-hmm. yeah okay well, so I have to save yeah. room for dessert when I go yeah, yeah of course sure. yeah and you know and you said two locations with full bar full bar yes the Magnolia and the Fry Road in Cyprus our full bars uh, we have happy hour every day even on the weekends um, and our menu has a lot of gluten-free options very Each. nice gluten-free yeah we have a whole section of gluten-free okay yeah because there's a lot of people do you have a gluten-free crust yes we, we have do. a gluten-free crust great our, our newest forms. thing is the cauliflower crust okay yeah that's the big seller <laughs> and you're making that too no I can't not yet we make that okay that's all right you gotta have demand first demand first so well, yeah, I mean, you know, get, you know, it, it, it's one of those where it's like sometimes even like the, the frozen fry situation that we run into with everybody that we talk to where it's like you, you can't beat it sometimes. You know, if someone's doing a damn good cauliflower crust, bring it in. Yeah. Get those customers happy and right. just take, you know, take it off your shoulders for something like that. There, there are products that are like that. Yeah, so, yeah definitely. Um, like I said, I'm glad that we talked a little bit about the food because y'all have been so open and honest with, with y'all's whole journey. I know that there's a lot of nuggets in, in it, you know, with a lot of our podcasts, but this one especially, I think that there was a, a lot of times where you were talking about like, look, you just got to put your head down and just do the work. And, you know, it, it, it's not easy. It is a grind. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the honest conversations that we want to have and we want people to, to understand. And I hope uh, listeners in the industry respect that and, and can, you know, take away some stuff and we'll come in and try your restaurant. I hope listeners who aren't in the industry will respect that and, mm-hmm. and, and come in and give you all a try if they haven't had you before. You know, hey, let's put them on the map a second time this week. You know, go try Mama's day. Pizza. That's yeah, what I say. Go try means, Mama's Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be it for uh, another episode of the Cost of Goods Told podcast. Uh, thank you to Duke's Premium Meats. Thank you so much to Beavers for hosting us and having us here. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. Like and subscribe. Five stars, five stars, all that good stuff. Thank you, Locatelli's. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at 